Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Sure, Gavin, you can tell me where you went to school again, and I'll tell you again, we all know Oxford doesn't have a radio broadcasting major. Ass. The following podcast contains... Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you decided to send the kids back to school in the middle of a raging pandemic, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe. This is episode number 273, Schools Out Forever edition of the show, where we ask, what if we didn't need no education? Stay tuned. The What the Hell You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Bible School in a Box, your solution for homeschooling. Are you pretty sure the world is only 6,000 years old? Believe that dinosaurs walked the earth with human beings? Are you concerned that your child might be influenced by things like science, math, or brown people? Then you're ready for Bible School in a Box. For 40 years, Bible School in a Box has provided parents with everything they need to teach their children the right way, the way God intended. Each kit contains an annotated Bible showing where everything they are teaching in public schools is of the devil, several VHS tapes on Noah's Ark, and the story of Jesus, and as many as three notebooks your children can use to take notes on our prepared lectures about the evils of homosexuality, interracial dating, and women's liberation. In these troubled times, our COVID extra kits also include a special comic book written by Eric Trump about how much his dad, with a little help from Jesus, is going to save us all. Bible school in a box. It's an education but not a very good one. What the hell are you guys running here, a zoo? Your school psychologist has flipped out. And if that's not enough, one of your kids tries to eat one of your teachers. Mr. Abel, what the hell do you call that? Monday. Our client is suing the school because he graduated, but he can't read or write. They're going to try to prove that John Calvin was knowingly promoted, when in fact, he should have failed. Gun! <laughs> This place is unbelievable. It's not a school anymore. It's a loony bin. Yes! Where the hell's my desk? Well, this place is a joke. It's a joke. Why, you're being sued by some kid because you didn't teach him nothing? You're getting a chance here, Eddie. Take it. Sure beats the hell out of stealing cars. We're not here to worry about one kid. We're here to get as many of these kids through the system with what we got. Damn school wasn't built for us, Roger. It's built for them. Half of them aren't even coming back after the alarm. But half will. You're crazy, you know that? I'm a teacher. I went to a lot of schools growing up. By my count, I attended eight different schools between first grade and twelfth. Got expelled. I did not. Suspended a bunch of times, but never expelled. No, my family moved a lot. Even before my dad joined the military, we seemed to move every 18 months or so, usually in the middle of a school year. This explains so much about you. 
It really does. It also gave me some insight into the problems of the American educational system, which according to many of my teachers were, quote, kids like me, unquote. That seems a little harsh in retrospect. I wasn't a good student. I learned pretty early on that I could skate through with a minimum of effort if I kept my head down and waited for my family to just move again, where I could start all over someplace else with a fresh slate. I was a C student because C students graduate the same as A students, only with a lot less work. Your parents must be so proud. They really weren't. It shocked me as much as anyone when years later I discovered I was actually kind of smart and wound up in a prestigious university through some convoluted loopholes and was banging out a 4.0 until the money ran out. That's when I realized that maybe I wasn't the problem in school. Maybe the schools were the problem. Because the majority of schools I attended weren't, uh, they weren't very good. I mean, there were no magnate schools in the 1970s and 80s, and I wouldn't get any of even if there were. It just seemed to me, though, schools existed pretty much to funnel kids in and out the door as quickly and painlessly as possible anywhere I went. You had one, maybe two good teachers, a few decent teachers, and a whole bunch of drunks and burnouts, and those were my favorite. We understood each other. I'm given to understand that things are somewhat different today, at least on the surface, but none of that matters because you'd have to be fucking crazy to open schools in the middle of a goddamn pandemic, right? But that is exactly what I'm going to do. To be clear, by parental standards, I don't have a dog in this hunt. I got no kids, school age or otherwise, so I am reliably told by parents this is a... This is an A and B conversation, you know, you can see your way out of it. That kind of stuff must come with first kid, because my mom would say that same thing to me all the time. But I'm still a citizen of this broken republic and this fucked up city I call home. And as a citizen, my taxes do finance the schools despite my never using said resource. Oh, and it's a fucking communicable disease with no cure and no vaccine. So I think I should be able to provide my input on the matter. Still, I'm compassionate to the needs of parents and children. Even if I do believe the whole idea of survival of the species is just a really bad thing. I think the honorable thing for our species to do is deny our programming. Stop reproducing. Walk hand in hand into extinction. So this week, let's examine the pros and cons of opening up the schools under time of coronavirus and maybe check out on how we did it before and how well that turned out for everyone. I live in New York City. Sure, you keep telling me. And as of the first week of August, you know, the plan is to send the kids back to school in September on a kind of staggered schedule, breaking up attendance by days and mixing it up with some home learning. Sounds complicated. Oh, it is. I mean, this is a city where the street cleaning schedule is so fucking complex. You need a small team of experts with spreadsheets and a fucking whiteboard to work out when you move your fucking car twice a week. And now they want to take essentially the same system and use it to let you know when to send your kids to school and when to stay home? Parents will, of course, have the option of having their kids fully distance learn, but they had to make up their mind by, well, this recording on August 7th, when the plan was still very much in flux and could change at any moment, or be overruled entirely by the state if Cuomo decides he just wants to fuck de Blasio for funsies. Because they hate each other. And none of this was done with the input of the people who are most at risk by bringing thousands of little germ factories into their close proximity day after day, the teachers and staff of the school... If you work for the New York school city school system, you can request a medical waiver to teach remotely, but that leaves a fair chunk of people excluded because they aren't lucky enough to have a medical condition where being around those little disease machines might kill them. 
nor are there plans for how to properly disinfect the schools on a daily basis, meaning the long-suffering janitors, the hardest-working people in education, are going to catch shit for every COVID bloom that pops up on the poison fucking roach bus of pandemic schools. And with all of that being true, New York City's still better off than most of the country because at least we've managed to bring our fucking outbreak relatively under control for the moment. From an article on CNN on Wednesday, quote, A Georgia second grader tested positive for COVID-19 after attending the first day of school, the school district told CNN. Sixes Elementary School in the Cherokee County School District began in-person classes on Monday, and by Tuesday, a classroom was temporarily closed for deep cleaning, and the teacher and 20 other students had to be asked to quarantine for two weeks after a second grader tested positive for COVID-19. After one day, nice work. Out in real America, where the COVID still roams and the undertakers are busy all day with the virus unchecked and spreading, where testing takes as long as the incubation period of the virus to get back your results, they're starting to wonder if this whole school thing is the best idea for them. Well, the parents and teachers are. The politicians are full speed ahead and damn the dying old people. Why? Well, none other than old Dinky Dongle himself has weighed in with his usual blend of wildly insane misinformation and flat-out fucking magical thinking. My view is the school should open. This thing's going away. It will go away like things go away. And my view is that school should be open. If you look at children, children are almost, and I would almost say definitely, but almost immune from this disease. So few. It's, they've got stronger, hard to believe. I don't know how you feel about it, but they have much stronger immune systems than we do somehow for this. And they do it. They, they don't have a problem. They just don't have a problem. I'll tell you how I feel about it, because it is hard to believe because it's fucking false. Your own fucking kid is going to be distant learning, but I can't really blame you for that, tiny dick. I'm fairly certain you don't even know who Baron is. Like I said, I don't have kids, but I do know that kids are simply not going to fucking social distance, properly wear their mask, and all the other things necessary to prevent the spread of the virus. How do I know? Well, I have fucking eyes, and I was a kid. The kids in my neighborhood are not wearing a mask, they're not playing, they're out playing grab ass and sitting in clumps six inches apart, making out like coked up weasels on park benches and, you know, generally acting like fucking kids. You would have to have the IQ of tofu to think that hundreds and thousands of kids in close proximity are not going to spread disease. And even if it doesn't really impact them, they're carrying those little payloads of doom around every fucking where they go. They're stopping in stores, grabbing a slice, buying a dime bag. Do you want your local dealer to catch the Rona? I don't. Children have no idea about the seriousness of this disease, probably because so many fucking adults don't either. So don't be telling me that we'll have close proximity without a huge spike in numbers. I mean, for fuck's sakes, kids already bring home every goddamn bug in the world from school. You're going to tell me that COVID is just magically not going to spread like a cold or chicken pox? I find that highly unlikely. On the other hand, however... Buddy, what are we going to do with all these kids? Since March, when we shut down last school year, parents have been struggling to find a way to educate their kids and do their work. Even if you're hashtag fucking blessed and work from home, you still got to deal with your crotch fruit 24-7, which is a pretty good argument for vasectomy. But, you know, you're already fucked, and while I'm down with late-term abortions, even I have a limit, so now you're stuck with them. And you can't even sell them on the internet anymore since QAnon figured out that little game. And a lot of people don't have the privilege of working from home, so they gotta put their little breeder fruit somewhere. And if it isn't school, then where? That's like the guy at the Ren Fair always told me. Yeah, that's a real pickle. Bye. 
There are many arguments for reopening the schools, many of them bad, that run the gamut from saving the economy to kids need to be in school, and I searched for the most neutral perspective that I could find, and trust me, it wasn't easy. I settled on one from the Centers of Disease Control, which prior to 2020, I would easily assume to be objective, reliable, and vetted sources of information on things like, you know, massive pandemics. However, since the magic pumpkin in the White House has so thoroughly fucked up the CDC, I'm not sure who to fucking believe anymore. But I will still present their summary as the argument for opening the schools this fall. From the CDC website, quote, Schools are an important part of the infrastructures of our community, as they provide safe and supportive learning environments for students, employ teachers and other staff, and enable parents, guardians, and caregivers to work. School, schools also provide critical re services that help meet the, the needs of children and families, especially those who are disadvantaged through, through supporting development of social and emotional skills, creating a safe environment for learning, identifying and addressing neglect and abuse, fulfilling nutritional needs, and facilitating physical activity. School closures disrupt the delivery of in-person instruction and critical services to children and families, which has negative individual and societal ramifications. The best available evidence from countries that have opened schools indicates that COVID-19 poses low risk to school-aged children, at least in areas with low community transmission, and suggests that children are unlikely to be major drivers of the spread of the virus. Reopening schools creates an opportunity to invest in the education well-being and future of one of America's greatest assets, our children, while taking every precaution to protect students, teachers, and staff, and all their families, unquote. That's all you've got? Yeah. Most of the arguments for reopening are predicated on what other countries did, even though their records are spotty at best. But the problem is, other countries did something. Our country has not. For all intents and purposes, the United States has given up on controlling the spread of the pandemic in any meaningful way. So comparing us to any other nation besides those others ran by autocratic fuck-ups is useless. Hard fucking truth is we could have reopened school this fall if the entire country had invested in testing and tracing, maintained lockdowns until the disease was under control, and invested money in propping up the average American financially until we could safely reopen. And how much of that did we do? None of it! Any argument for reopening schools in the face of what is an unchecked spread of the disease is doomed to fail faster than fucking baseball has failed in the face of what we like to think of as reality. So if we can't really trust the CDC and we aren't sure what to do, how the fuck do we make any kind of choice on this? I mean, if only we had some sort of historical precedent we could look at and see what they did. All of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. If there were just some kind of event that occurred that we could examine and maybe draw inferences, if not conclusions, on the best way to address a problem that has no simple solution. Has anything like this ever happened before? Of course it has, thousands of times. But what I'm talking about is a singular event that happened just over a century ago that has suddenly become very relevant to our lives, and most of us hadn't even heard of until recently, if we've heard of it now. I'm, of course, talking about the Great Molasses Flood, also known as the Boston Molasses Disaster, the Great Mo or the Great Boston Molasses Flood, that occurred on January 15th, 1919. Wait, no, uh, what am I talking about? Gavin, fire the script in turn, assuming we have on. If not, fire yourself, then rehire yourself and be better at research. No, I'm talking about the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918 and 1919. Oh, that. Exactly, that and how they handled going to school during that little kerfuffle when we also had a racist shitbag president. But, of course, he was out of commission and unable to truly lead because he caught the disease. Oh, we should be so lucky to have that happen now. And after researching the issue, and by researching, I mean I googled some shit, do you know what I found? Yes, what, I what, do? 
okay, this is what I found based on what people did in 1918 and 1919. And I can now definitively say on the issue of whether or not to open or close schools based on history is... Oh, tell us. Tell us. It's, uh, it's complicated. What does that mean? It means that, uh, I guess the best way to put it, no, no one really knows. You are an asshole. That's all you are. You're an asshole. It's not my fault. There were so many studies out, and none of them say conclusively whether opening or closing the schools was a good idea or a bad idea at the time. And people did both. Some places opened early, and other people closed late, and they all had different results. What's even more confounding is the studies lumped together school closings with masking, social distancing, and non-drug-related measures to slow the spread of the flu. Based on what I could tell, New York City and Chicago both left their schools open, think that the conditions in schools were actually more conducive to not getting the flu than the condition of the children's homes. This is because the vast majority of public school kids in 1918 lived in fucking tenements. And that's probably correct. When you have tons of people crammed into small spaces with limited sanitation, any virus is going to run wild. Where schools had open spaces, clean water, and medical professionals checking the students to make sure they weren't sick. So yeah, maybe keeping them open in 1918 might have saved lives. But there are no controlled studies or even comparative data sets that can easily say closing meant X number of people got the flu and opening meant Y number of people got the flu and C which is lower. So despite my vaunted belief that history can usually guide us through difficult questions about the present, you know, it's kind of a light motif of this podcast. You use your tongue prettier than a $20 whore. History comes up short and leaves us with the unenviable condition of needing to apply logic to the situation. So we're fucked, aren't we? Yeah, because we're, as a country, not really good at that. But here are the facts. As of this recording, an uncontrolled pandemic is raging across this nation, largely due to the incompetence of our elected officials. Children can catch and spread the disease, though they are less likely to become seriously ill from the disease. Children are also notoriously bad at exercising the control to properly mask and distance themselves consistently to decrease the spread. They will be infected, and they, they, they've they already become infected at schools in just the first week of school. They will spread that disease to their families, including at-risk members of the family, likely without knowing they're even infected. Lacking a vaccine or a cure, you would need to be a real piece of coprolite to open schools and send children back. These are the facts of the case, and they are undisputed. So the right thing to do is keep the schools closed, and as terrible as that option is, it is less terrible than unnecessary deaths. And it is almost certainly not what will happen. Indeed, not what is happening. Even now, schools are opening up around the country and children are fucking returning to classes and they're catching and spreading COVID. This will continue to happen until things get so bad that schools will be forced to close like they were in March and we'll be right back where we started from in the spring, except possibly worse, as the disease seems to spread quicker and more effectively in cooler weather. It is exactly what we were warned would happen by Dr. Fauci and the CDC before Trump fucked it up. Good job, America. Oh, and hey, here comes October, and the flu flu starts to be an issue again. So, you know, we got that going for us. And there are options we could explore we, if we could actually be bothered. From the Atlantic article in July, quote, If a government were to really commit to getting creative in order to meet the work needs of parents and the safety and educational developmental needs of kids, it might look a lot like what Denmark began earlier this year. Danish schools reopened in November, just a month or so after they had closed, and primary school students went back first. Students were organized into small pods. There were about 12 students, the idea being that they would stay in those pods all day, and classes were held outside whenever possible. Micro schools having classes in outdoor spaces or buildings that are otherwise in use in order to socially distance properly. Sounds great from a risk reduction standpoint, but she also wonders whether or not it would ever get off the ground in the United States. 
any way that you can reduce classroom capacity and keep kids cohorted in small groups would be a good way to reduce the transmissions risk. I think it would also invo involve enormous resources, hiring a lot more teachers in a very short time period to accommodate these reduced student-teacher ratios and getting the cooperation to identify and utilize additional spaces that may not be currently in use, unquote. You can rest assured knowing that there is no way in fucking hell the United States will ever adapt anything like Denmark planned, even though it is totally feasible. Think of the cost. This is a country where in normal times, kids sit in shitty classrooms and dilapidated buildings or recycled FEMA trailers behind the gym, and you think that the top, on top of all their other costs associated with the pandemic, our government, our Republican governments are going to shell out the money to rent empty spaces where kids can safely distance and pay the extra teachers it would need to teach all these kids? Highly unlikely from what I see. We are going to bicker and argue. More people are going to die because it is so much easier to blame the other side than do anything. So that's where we are on that front. If you send your kids back to school, people are going to die. Hell, hell, a few of your kids might even die. And to quote the president, well, I guess that is what it is. Kids are going to go back to school on literally a hope and a prayer. And were I a parent, I think I might want something more. Or maybe not, because I'd be so sick and tired of having my kids around all the time. I might be willing to take a gamble just for a minute of peace and quiet. Kind of like how my mom would send him to my grandparents where I could find any number of ways to get killed every time I went. So who knows? I'm sympathetic to the arguments for sending the kids back. I understand how hard it is for kids and you breeders right now. Our society wasn't built for that, and your kids need social interaction with other human beings besides you. Trust me, especially your teenagers. I'm less persuaded by the arguments about the necessity of in-person education, as our country is embroiled in arguments about some very basic elements of science that we were all supposed to have learned in elementary school, even the shitty ones I attended as a kid. This is a country so poorly educated, we've dipshit shooting at store cloaks when told to wear a mask. The leader of the country believes in demon sperm doctors and magically disappearing viruses. And our social media is so full of lies and distance information being churned out by the second that a solid half of this shitburg of a country is willing to believe anything some meme account says over a fucking medical professional who spent his life studying infectious diseases. So let's not pretend our education system is putting much value in the national discourse. I figure the kids can miss a fucking year. No one will ever know the difference. But you know, that's me. I don't have a fucking kid screaming underfoot 24-7 because I had enough education to pull out before I came. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. I do apologize to all the parents listening to this week's show if I sound unsympathetic to your plight. It's just for once in my fucked up life, I'm feeling, if not proud, at least... Yeah. About my life choices. I'm sure having kids was the right thing for you, and it's been very rewarding. But I'm a drunk with anger issues and an inability to ever grow up or sober up. At least that's what my mom told me last week. So not see, not having kids seems pretty, pretty, pretty smart right now. Speaking of annoyingly smug, rate and review the show wherever you get your pods. It helps other people find the show, and you can feel pretty, pretty, pretty. Too smug that you're not alone in listening to this hot mess of a show. If you like your messes hot and your show's early and ad-free, for just a buck on Patreon, patreon.com slash whatthehellpodcast, you can get your shows early and ad-free. That's right. Yeah, just like the old days. And if you donate a little higher, you get some cool swag that even if you don't like it, you can give it as Christmas gifts to relatives you don't like. Follow us on the Sos by searching for our show name wherever you shitpost and check out whatthehellpodcast.com for a clearinghouse of all of our bad ideas. 
Shout out to Seltzer King for hosting us on their network and continuing to promise us that things will only get better if I stop calling their offices all the time. So for me, Dave, no more pencils, no more books, Bledsoe. Producer, no more teachers' dirty looks, Gavin. And all the fictional juvenile delinquents on the show, we want to say, school's out for summer, school's out forever, and I'm really pissed it didn't happen when I was a kid. We'll see you all next week. for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.